The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, let's say good morning to Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Michelle Morrow is a teacher. Bob Richardson, News Talk 1010 contributor and senior counsel at National Public Relations. And uh, let's mix it up a little and we'll get to Olivia Chow and Doug Ford in a moment, although mostly I think that's going to be quite speculative. But uh, on the federal parliamentary scene, the parliamentarians are back. Jagmeet Singh is going to join us at 9.05. I'll start with Bob Richardson on this one. You can take it in any direction because I think this is kind of a do or die session for Justin Trudeau and company. Yeah, look, uh, the, the theater is back. Um, the uh, the government appears to have woken up uh, out of a sort of a three or four month slumber uh, and uh, did uh, a number of positive things, I thought, last week and, and uh, looked uh, good while doing it. Um, the opposition's got to make sure that it doesn't overplay its hand. It's doing well in the polls and you sometimes uh, get ahead of yourself. So I think they'll have to do that. And for the NDP, and it's good that you're uh, chatting with them, He's got to score some. Uh, uh, he, he's got to put some pucks in the net. He's got to show people that there is a benefit to being lined up with the liberals, and he's got to be able to show his voters two or three things that he's done. So that's what I think uh, is happening up in Ottawa for the next. Uh, six weeks, I guess. Michelle Morrow, it is going to be high theater in a room that I absolutely adore. The new House of Commons is gorgeous, but that's neither here nor there. This is about whether or not Justin Trudeau can beat back Pierre Polyev. Yeah, there's definitely that feeling of like back to school excitement. That's yeah. really nerdy, I know. But for me, I'm like, woo, everything's getting back in session and It'll be interesting to see um, if Trudeau comes firing out of the gate, ready to show us that he's still wanting to be the leader and not just riding on the party, which is kind of the feeling I'm getting right now. Um, and hopefully he can find the the excitement that he had when he first became prime minister, which feels like forever ago. But he really does seem like low energy. And I realize there's a lot of stuff going on in his personal life, but we need to see him out here and fighting if he wants to maintain the leadership. Or if not, I hope his party can kind of push him to be like, we need to bring a new leader in before the next election. Deb Hutton, two years is a long time for Pierre Polyev to lead the race. Yeah, I mean, we love this stuff, those in the media, yeah. those who, who love politics, but we all know this is not where the real action happens and the real work happens. Uh, I think for Trudeau, his main audience in question period and his performance is his own caucus and cabinet. I don't yeah. think he's going to change any uh, major things in the public's domain, in the public's opinion, uh, in this particular uh, venue. If I were Pierre Polyev's advisor, I'd be saying in the House of Commons one day a week and traveling and giving those speeches that we now all know he can give to motivate people and to crap on the liberals. I wouldn't spend hardly any time in question period. I'd let my my bench strength do some of it. People like Melissa Lantzman are more than capable in question period. And I'd be out selling, selling, selling the message. And that will actually take you closer to the finish line, I think, than an hour of question period. Interesting strategy. And you're right. Melissa Lansman is, is merciless when she is questioning members of the government. So that might be an interesting tag team approach to things. Olivia Chow goes to meet with Doug Ford today. The two of them are expected to hold a press conference at 2 p.m. this afternoon. So we'll definitely bring you all of those details. Uh, but back to you, Deb Hutton, because you've worked at Queen's Park. I think this is probably going to be a very convivial meeting and it may be quite productive for Olivia Chow as well. 
Yeah, I mean, a couple of observations. First and foremost, Doug Ford loves people. Whether you like his politics or not, he loves people. And you he's very charming and he's very engaging. So I do think it will be a very positive meeting. I hope they don't get bogged down in the little popular issues like Ontario Place. Because we have so many bigger issues happening in the city and in the province that those, while they're fun and they're sexy to talk about, they really don't matter ultimately uh, in people's day-to-day lives. Second thing I'll say is these two people have a common enemy. And that enemy's name is Justin Trudeau. And so if I were going in, either from Chow's perspective or Ford's, I'd be saying, how can we together put pressure on the federal liberals for whom most of the city is covered federally by liberals? And that actually lets both of us off the hot seat and puts the blame and the pressure where we want it to be together. Although I would say, Deb Hutton, don't underestimate Ontario Place as an incendiary uh, issue. I haven't seen that much heat on social media for a topic we dealt with on the show in ages. It's And maybe it's because they're all monomaniacs. I'm not sure. Um, well, John, I just say stay off social media. Because <laughs> the conversations, no, the conversations I'm having when we have yeah. company on Friday and Saturday are about about uh, affordability or about the grocery store bill like that I was gobsmacked <laughs> to actually get on Friday. Like those are the things that most people are talking about. Uh, yes, there's some special interests on Ontario Place and yes, it's an important part of our history, but my goodness, I listened to the guy you had on this morning on Ontario Place, the the part of Ontario Place for All or whatever yep. they're called. Like he's quoting Bill Davis and God bless Bill Davis. I loved him. But my goodness, when he set those goals for Ontario Place, I don't think any of us were born. <laughs> okay, let me turn to Michelle. Uh, your quick thoughts on Olivia Chow. I was going to say versus Doug Ford, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be kind of like his romance with the deputy prime minister. Uh, I, I don't know about that, but I think I think you're right in some ways because they do they do, do need to present a reunited front. Like we don't like it when our political leaders um, at different levels are at odds. I don't, I find that makes me very uncomfortable because I want them to get along. I want them to work together because we do have a common goal of making, of trying to help people get their lives more in order and helping make their lives better. So I'm excited that they're meeting. I think Deb's right. Um, uh, Ford is very charming and hopefully this meeting gets things moving and it isn't just a picture opportunity. I hope that they can actually sit down and get things moving and not just talk about things that don't yeah. matter, which for some people might be Ontario Place. Okay. Well, and Bob Richardson, our sources are telling us that they expect this meeting to be quite productive. We're going to hear some interesting stuff at 2 p.m. Yeah, I think it will be productive. Uh, the, the two of them actually like each other, which, uh, as Deb said, uh, goes a long way in, uh, in these sort of relationships. Um, I will say, I think the mayor has done a pretty good job so far with council being out and about, returning some of the basic services that annoyingly were cut uh, by the previous by the previous administration. Uh, I say with some frustration, but um, she has no financial strategy, and she's she's not prepared to cut one dollar from the city budget. There's no innovation. There's no service program that uh, uh, is too old and shouldn't be operating. I think that weakens her argument. I think she's got to strengthen her uh, financial strategy. The pandemic saw a huge rise in younger adolescents and particularly girls visiting hospitals for mental health crises. Uh, Michelle Morrow, I'll start with you. You work with young people. Um, Not entirely surprising and for uh, multiple reasons. I mean, one would be that COVID did a number on us, but also we talk about mental health way more than we used to. I don't know in the past if teenagers even knew that they suffered from anxiety. 
Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I agree that talking about it makes it makes more people develop it, but perhaps it just things that we would have told people to sort of stamp down and get through. Perhaps now they're aware of it and they're looking for strategies or solutions to help them with it. I'm not surprised looking at this excuse me, I'm not surprised looking at this information that the numbers went up because that time of that period in a young girl's life, they're very social. They really crave their friends. They crave that sort of connection. And we lost it during the pandemic. Zoom just doesn't do it for people. So hopefully going forward, we can, not that we are hoping for another pandemic, but hopefully we can go forward and realize that we need certain things in place. Should we get into this situation again, better mother, mental health, um, supports through school, I think that would be a huge thing to focus on. Bob Richardson, I'll let you weigh in on this as well. I have to imagine that, you know, what we hope is that this was an aberration, this spike, and it was a result of COVID, or maybe this is, again, the new normal, and it's about things like social media. Well, whatever it is, there's a generation that, you know, for two years was out of school, two years out of socialization, you know, two years isolation, et cetera, et cetera. It took its toll. We better make sure that we have the resources in place to help them at this point. Um, And uh, obviously that's financial resources uh, and that's uh, that's people. And maybe we can speed up uh, allowing uh, uh, people with pediatric uh, pediatric uh, backgrounds in uh, in the immigration system might might be one of the things that we could do to, uh, you know, uh, take the pressure off a bit. Okay, and Deb Hutton, you've got two teenage daughters, so I guess this is of concern. Yeah, I mean, Maitland's a little bit younger, um, but it is entirely my view, uh, it, it is a massive problem. I cannot even underscore how big a problem it is, not just for girls, but particularly for preteen and teen girls. Two problems. One, they didn't stop socializing during COVID. They turned to social media to socialize and Snapchat and all of those tools. And that has not changed. And that, in my view, sounding like the old person on the panel, is a massive, massive contributor to to teenage mental health, particularly girls. I cannot, again, underscore what a big problem it is. And as a parent, you do all these things, you set all these rules. But at their core, that is now how they still communicate, even when they're physically sitting next to each other. And, And we can do our best but we have a problem. The second part, as Bob alluded to, is uh, I know from friends who needed like urgent mental health care for their child, there is such a lack of availability, even if you've got the cash to pay for it. It is unbelievable. And when you see girls going to school and not even bother to cut up, to cover up the fact that they have been cutting themselves which is a huge epidemic with with teenage girls like it you can tell in my voice it makes me want to cry it's mm-hmm. it's awful absolutely awful is there anybody willing to advance or able to advance an argument as to why the coach of a hockey team should be allowed to see the phones of his players and bob richardson i mean you're affiliated with the world of sport mike babcock has been fired and amongst other complaints he was asking his players to show him their cell phones and i and aside from a kink i can't quite figure out why yeah th- this is nuts um uh, he uh, he unfortunately is from another era and shouldn't be coaching today uh that sort of behavior is unacceptable i think the nhlpa did a very good job uh here uh, for uh, for the players and and the matter matter's been rectified. But whether it's a Spanish women's uh, uh, you know a soccer coach or whether it's Mike Babcock, that era of coaching is over, and that sort of mental abuse is over. And uh, and 
and a good thing a good thing it is. Well, and Michelle Morrill, there's always been a certain tradition about the team, the franchise, maybe the coach by proxy being able to influence the players and how they behave. You know, the Montreal Canadiens, you must absolutely wear a suit to and from practice. But checking out your cell phone, I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. I'm like, they're not in high school or public school. Like, it's not, we're not looking at their phones for safety. It's it's weird that, that he thought that that sort of level of intrusion was okay and acceptable. And it's kind of, it's nice that the um, institution or the team also felt the same way. I'm sorry to see him go, but at the same time, if this was the uh, environment he was fostering, then maybe it was time. And you'll get the last word on this one, Deb Hutton. I can say from the Detroit Free Press, they talked to former Detroit Red Wings forward Johan Franzen, who said, Mike Babcock is the worst person I have ever met. Yeah. And like to Bob's point, he is a different generation, but he's not. He's only 60. But at 60, I'd say he better be washed up. Listen, community uh, community teams, listen, uh, college teams, university teams, certainly NHL. Do not hire this guy. He's done. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Some great talk. Michelle Morrow, Deb Hutton and Bob Richardson. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.